Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at sumatisparks.com. And tonight I'm very pleased to have as my guest Polly Parents, Philippe Lewis, and Paget Norton. They've been happily together for over 13 years through the lands of open relationship, polyamory, non-monogamy, They've accumulated a trove of experiences, tips, secrets, and lessons that they enjoy sharing with the world and with the community they created called the Open Relationship Community. Philippe also offers relationship and sexuality coaching, and Paget is a fabulous writer. Welcome to the show, you guys. Hi there. How are you doing? Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so glad to have you. So let's start with um, Philippe. Um, welcome back from your near-death experience. You had a terrible car accident. Um, so how are you doing physically? Actually doing really great. Uh, my physical therapist told me that I was doing amazingly well. Uh, my body's been recovering faster than expected and apparently faster than anybody else expected. Um, and mainly I, I broke uh, the three biggest bones in my body, uh, the femur, the TBI, and the hip and hip socket, uh, but uh, that's the thing about bones is once they're mended, they're actually more solid than they were before. And then I had, I had oh. to do some physical therapy, and I continued to have to do so uh, because they had to cut through muscle in order to, and, and there's a little bit of atrophy that happens when you're sitting in a wheelchair and in a bed for a few weeks. And it's pretty amazing mm-hmm. how fast that happens, but at the same time, it's pretty amazing how fast you can recover at the same time. Good for you. So glad to hear that. All right, well, let's move on to open relationship. Um, so you guys named your relationship. Can you tell us the name of your relationship and why you gave it a name? Yeah, when we were about three months into our relationship, we realized that there was this entity that existed between us, and we wanted to actually give that entity a name. And um, so we wanted something that was maybe a little bit exotic, but not too hippie. And I found the word astronia, which is Greek for abundance. And it felt like that really um, described that entity that existed between us. And then, um, and then we had a child, and we gave him our, that name. <laughs> and, um, as a middle name. As a middle name. And decided that there are ways in which we felt like he took all the abundance, as kids kind of do, and um, then renamed our relationship to Sophios, which means wisdom. And that feels like that's kind of the next era of our relationship, which is moving into a place of wisdom. Yeah, so the initial name was Aftonia, which is Greece for Abundance. And then then we gave that away. Uh, his, his name is now Phoenix Aftonian Lewis. Uh, so he, he now has that name, and in uh, in our current relationship is in a, the stage of wisdom. Beautiful. I love that. And I'm going to try to milk as much wisdom from you as I can in the next hour. <laughs> so um, what were the most difficult aspects for you of um, having an open relationship, especially right from the gate when you guys got together? The physical aspects. The, the most difficult, difficult aspects. aspects. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we had what we called the, so something like the two, what, what did we call those? The two big issues that showed up early on. And essentially what 
we started out having these ideas of what it could look like, of what open relationship could look like, what polyamory could look like. And, uh, and what we were missing is actual experience. And so we started out thinking, oh, yeah, we can do this. Let's try or, or, and let's just see how it goes. And then what we realized is that, uh, that there was a lot of fears and a lot of guilt that would show up in, our, in, in, in between us. And then we decided to uh, sort of close things down and sort of start over again. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, neither so of you had like been in um, polyamorous before you met, or um, I was. I was involved with somebody briefly who um, was in a relationship with her partner for a number of years, and that was my introduction into it. But in terms of actually being in a more primary relationship, no, I think it was the first time for both of us. And, and honestly, we didn't know what we were doing. We just had this idea that it, like, oh, this totally makes sense. We should do this thing. And we didn't have the communication skills. We didn't have any kind of agreements. We, it, I mean, it was really like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> and so, yeah, so as, as, so as, we, as, as we started to try to date other people, engage with other people, we started to realize that we had different boundaries for each other in terms of how, how uh, the other person would play with others. And we also um, had different ideas in terms of the progression and the pace. Um, and, and also we had different desires. Uh, and also plenty of feelings kind of arising from that. Uh, and, and so in, in the discovery, we realized that this was maybe a little bit more of a high-flying trapeze act than we, than, than we thought we could uh, we can manage. So we decided to start mm-hmm. over again from, a, from the standpoint of, well, what would it be like if we, uh, if, we, if we started with kisses or with flirting or with things that are just a lot more seemingly benign uh, compared to uh, what a lot of people do when they're in an open or poly relationship. Mm-hmm. And so what other things helped you to... Um once you started over again and kind of closed things down and then started from scratch, besides just slowing down with uh, maybe not having full-on sex with people and just flirting or kissing, what other, um, what other things helped you get, get going again in a better way? Uh, well, we came, oh, I, <clears throat> I had this idea for creating these cards that are called boundary cards. And so mm-hmm. on each card, it would have an action. And then um, there was a set of cards with actions. There was a set of cards with context. And then there was kind of a yes, no, and a maybe. And so initially, <clears throat> the way we do it is I would lay out the cards in terms of what I felt comfortable with Philippe doing. And so it was kind of like off the top of my head, oh, I'm okay with him doing this, 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 and this, these things. <clears throat> maybe, and these things are definite no. And then depending on the context, like, for example, if I knew the person he was engaging with, then I might be a big yes um, mm-hmm. if there were, you know, that kind of thing. And we found that the cards were very interesting for us. They're also really interesting to do for your own self. Like, what do I feel comfortable with my own self doing with other people? Um, mm-hmm. And so those kinds of things, the yeses and nos and maybes, were very interesting. And also, you know, some things are are just a no. And so that was also interesting to see. It was like it doesn't matter who it is and what's happening and what it, how safe it is, but I'm a no to that. 
Um, but what we've noticed over time is that, you know, things shift, like the boundaries that I had 10 years ago are not the boundaries that I have today. Right. Something else that also blew, something else that also really helped was uh, was sending uh, was uh, being involved in the other person's <laughs> uh, the other person's engagement with others. So one of the ways that we did that was uh, like I just would write down these different missions uh, for me to accomplish, and uh, and then I, and then she put them in envelopes, and I would just before I went out with a with a with a new person. I would I would open up one of these envelopes and I would discover the mission and if it fit I would perform that mission during that time and it could be like well discover the three best qualities of this person or make out with this person and and come and demonstrate the best one to me when you come back and so <laughs> this kind of helped this kind of helped her uh, be more involved in what I was doing and uh, and you know, what we found over the years is. Is it's been really good to like the, the whole don't ask don't tell idea doesn't work for us. We want to be involved mm-hmm. in each other's lives, and if and if we're going to be involved in loving somebody else or having sex with somebody else, like uh, like we we want our partner to know about it. And so over the years, we sort of become each other's confidant and each other's uh, best friend and each other's uh, uh, and each other's sometimes coach and counselor. Every once in a while, like there's an issue that arises, and and we know each other so well that uh, that to actually ask our partner, like, well, what do you think about this? Like our partner can say, well, I know this pattern about you, or or I can see that you've been dating women that are like this, uh, and maybe it means something, and let's explore that. You know, and the mm, other thing too is that I mean, I have seen some different coaches over the years. So I mean, early on, we saw one. We saw um, Jerry Candelaria, who's since passed away, but we saw him for about six months. We saw Chaz August for, I don't remember how long we saw him. Um, so we've seen some different people who've given us different perspectives on what's going on. And then, of course, um, you know, one of the things we also created was the open relationship community, which I think you were going to ask yeah. some questions about. Yeah, I, wanna, I definitely want to hear more about that. But before we do, I want to go back to your boundary cards um that sounds really interesting mm-hmm. did you ever um share them with other people or package them up to sell or anything uh, well currently they're on my website so i'll be i'll be sharing the website a little bit later um they're on my website is the only item you can buy on my website and essentially what you're buying is an ebook um and that e- you print that ebook and then you it'll, it'll allow you to print the cards at the same time and cut them up and and basically just lay them out on the table and uh, and just kind of discover what is the law, you know, how the, how does one partner, how does your partner define the boundary that they have for you in playing with other people and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So that's one of your awesome tips that you have shared with the community. Um, so, yeah, let's go into the open relationship community now because I truly believe that in order to practice an alternative lifestyle, we really need a, community that's practicing it so we don't feel like we're just alone in the woods. Um, so you guys created a thriving community, and you, you'll tell us how many people are in it now, but why don't you tell us the story of how you created it and what it's like today? Um, well, one thing that I noticed <clears throat> is that there were times when things were very challenging for me, and I would definitely have women who would come up to me and say, oh, it looks like this is really hard. And 
And sometimes it was hard, but I also wanted to be around people who actually did kind of open and poly really well. And um, and so there are ways in which I felt kind of lonely, you know. Uh, on the one hand, I didn't really want to chat with people who talked about how hard it was or their projections. On the other hand, it was challenging being people with people who had kind of been poly since birth, you know, because that wasn't my path. Um, mm-hmm. So we started off by having uh, an open relationship potluck. And I can't remember how many people showed up, maybe 25 or 30? 45. Oh, 45? Okay, 45 people showed up. 45 what the I first time? Wow. <clears throat> I think what I discovered is that there were a number of people who had who really worked for uh, having an open relationship. They had wanted it. They had had their own challenges. And some of the challenges that they had had were similar to what I was experiencing. And I learned kind of what their path was, what they had done, the personal growth they had gone through. And for me, that was more supportive than than either of the two extremes, either people saying that I was having a hard time or other people who were like, no, I've always been this way, because that just mm-hmm. that was now I was. And one of the things right. that we discovered over time is is that when when people come together uh, with with different parts of the what I call the the poly puzzle uh, or the different pieces of the poly puzzle, you know, there's two things that end up happening. There's like support and wisdom naturally arise from all the conversations that happen. So we purposefully made these potlucks really simple. It would be you know we bring people together with food. Uh, everybody's on endorphins because of food, and then uh, and then and then we ask one question. And so it's very little structure. And the point was just to bring people together to see what would happen. And sure enough, uh, people found it very useful. And then about a year later, maybe, uh, we decided to create a Facebook group, which, uh, which is now about 6,000 strong. And, and we, mm. uh, we purposefully also make sure that, uh, that the group is not riddled with advertisement and people offering their services. We really want this to be about conversation the continued mm-hmm. support and the continued wisdom uh, continue to arise. Um, and also a bit of background is I've been, I've been doing, I've been creating events for a number of years. And so the idea of bringing people together was an easy one. And I also found that the poly groups that were already present in the Bay Area, just I was having a hard time relating to. They, they didn't seem to contain the friends uh, that were part of our community. So when we created our own, it was our friends showing up. And now it's grown much past that. But it was, that was the, the initial idea. Let's bring our friends together who are doing the same thing we are so that we can all share in, the, in a conversation and uh, in, in the challenges. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, and now don't they have, didn't it kind of break off into chapters around the Bay Area? Yeah, I, I think that there's one in the East Bay, there's one in the South Bay, there might even be a North Bay one. And maybe a San Francisco as well. There's a, there's a few. In the Bay Area, there's a few. And it's a, I've even heard of some getting started in Italy and maybe in you know, maybe in England. Uh, but the, we haven't really, uh, you know, the structure is relatively simple. So anybody can create a group. Uh, there's one in Southern California, not very strong. I think it's mostly based in the Bay Area. But, uh, but it's available for anyone who wants to create the same kind of conversation where people share uh, their, their challenges and support each other and come up with better solutions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've been to them before and I've even hosted a few and um, I enjoy sharing food and then we usually just stop for about an hour and have a discussion about a topic that that the leader brings and then we go back to just hanging out and chatting. So I, I like that loose style like that where you can really get to know each other. So congratulations for creating that. It's still so thriving and really helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah, we had a child, and uh, at the moment when we had a child, we, we realized we could not, we, we, we had to sort of give it away. Uh, we, and so we didn't really fully give it away. We're still, we still uh, still show up every once in a while, um, you know, speaking about the vision and, and holding that vision. Uh, so it doesn't change too much because I felt like the initial structure was really great. Uh, but the, we have an army of really amazing moderators um, who kind of keep an eye on the Facebook group, and also keep an eye on what's going on in the potlucks to make sure that it, it continues to thrive well. Excellent. So, um, yeah, that's a good segue into talking about you guys being poly parents. <laughs> so how does parenting come into the picture of open relationship? I know that's a wide open question, but take it from there. <laughs> um, well, I would say our current, I mean, it's been a journey, but our current situation is that, uh, you know, our son is six and a half, and we don't specifically talk about being poly or anything, but he knows that I have a lover that I go see once a week and spend the night there, and he knows this guy, and um, and his name is Ted, and Ted has come over and hung out, and, um, and so I just put it in terms of like, yeah, I'm just going to go out and hang out with my friend, and it's not a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. it definitely helps when the people that we're seeing like kids and like our child. I did date somebody who didn't really like young kids and was kind of triggered by how much attention that a young child sort of demands. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that was really, really hard, really hard. So, um, so for now, we're not really having explicit conversations about what's going on. Although my sense is that there'll be a certain point if, you know, I don't know how many years from now when we'll probably say something and his response will be like, yeah, okay, I know. So <laughs> I've heard other kids talk about that, you know, his family says Polly and they're like, you know, they're like, okay, we need to have this conversation with you, you know, that we, you know, and the kid is like, yeah, I totally know that. I've seen it over the years. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're just raising him, you know, with this idea that there are other people who are in and out of our lives, and hopefully they're more in our lives than out of our lives. And mm-hmm. um, and we love these people too. And in the same way that he needs time, he's an only child, and we're not going to have any more kids. So he needs kid time, and there are times when we need adult time. And so that's mm-hmm. um, probably the best way that we put it. Like, you have your needs, we have our needs, they look a little different, but, you know, that's where we're at. Yeah, and then... Uh, mm-hmm. Whoops, I lost you. Can you hear me? Can you hear us? Oh, n- now I can hear you. Go ahead, Philippe. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and that there, are, there are times where um, one of our lovers might be over, um, he, you know, and, and, and so they might be here in the morning. Uh, either Patrick might be away at her lovers and one of my lovers over, 
and might be sleeping in our bed, or or I might be, or or we might be on the on the guest bed, and then uh, you know, and then our lover is there, uh, in the same bed as one of us is, and so, um, and again, it's no big deal. If we don't make it a big deal, it's just somebody's a friend is over, and we love this person, and hopefully this person loves loves Phoenix. It's very hard not to love. Um, and another thing that came up to mind is, um, in terms of parenting, is I feel like to some degree, parenting is a form of is a form of polyamorous relationship. It's not mm-hmm. it's not the way most people think of it. But uh, when when you have one or multiple kids, or when you have a husband or a wife and you have a kid, like the question always comes, especially for more than one kid, like the question comes up: Who do you love most? Who do you love more? And it's and the answer is, is most often I love both I, I love I love all my kids the same I love my husband as much as I love my kids and it's it's not a matter of more love or less love and I think that's a, mm-hmm. something that's very common in polyamory as well and on top of that there's all the all the logistics and the uh, logistics of handling multiple people that you love giving them attention giving them time spending and, and doing things with them in a way that works for everyone. And that's the kind of skill that needs that 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 usually is required of any kind of poly relationship. I think also um, a couple of pieces. One is I don't think we've yet had like a very casual one night stand kind of person at at our house when we know Phoenix is going to be there. It's usually that mm-hmm. this person, you know, there's been some establishment and like this person might be around. But the hope is that this person mm-hmm. will be around, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's kind of some stability there. And then also, I know often when we go out, it's after we've had seen Phoenix after school. We've had dinner together, you know. I've, we've done bedtime, and then he goes to bed, and then like one or you know either of us will go out. So it's often that way where. He is very much prioritized in terms of making sure we're getting lots of time with him. And we both have jobs where we can spend a fair amount of time with him. So um, in terms of him, yeah, in terms of him being the priority, absolutely. You know, and I've mm-hmm. definitely canceled plans before when he's been sick or seems like something is going on with him and maybe it's just developmental and it's like, all right, so now my, you know, my focus is on him. So he, mm-hmm. um, he is definitely well cared for and very much a priority in our lives. Mm-hmm. So being poly parents, I'm just curious, um, you guys are mm-hmm. obviously fairly out about that um, and you have the kinds of careers that allows for that. Um, have you run into any judgment, criticism, prejudice from people in your lives for um, being poly parents? I mean, when it comes to his school, I would not say that there were particularly out. Um, we actually do know uh, some parents there who have been to some of Philippe's events in the past. Um, there's somebody, uh, one of Phoenix's um, schoolmates, uh, her father, like we climbed together and he knows what, that we're open. But in terms of when I'm hanging out with the other moms, um, it feels extremely monogamous, and there's this kind of very monogamous mom culture mm-hmm. that I don't really jive with, but um, it just doesn't, I don't know. I mean, I blew their minds away talking about Burning Man. So <laughs> it honestly hasn't felt, yeah, I know, 
hasn't really felt safe for me to say, oh, and by the way, I'm going to go see my lover after this, you know. And so I'm kind of sucked out the situation, but my focus is more on making sure that Phoenix has playmates and that, you know, things aren't going to detract from him having a really awesome experience at school. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, as we were speaking, I found I found it interesting. Um, I mentioned that to to her uh, recently. I find it interesting that that if we are together in the same house, then it's not okay to have lovers. But if we decide to get to separate, and we're in two different apartments, then it's okay to have lovers. And it's a, it's kind of an interesting concept of, of of our culture, the way our culture sees things. And it doesn't matter if uh, if, if the, the divorce or the separation is completely dysfunctional. That seems to be okay. But in, a, in, our, in the mainstream culture, for two parents to be in the same house, getting along really well, raising an amazing little boy, uh, but having lovers would not be okay. Well, uh, no, to that point, I would also say we're in separate, we were, you know, divorced in a separate apartment that I couldn't have too many lovers, you know. Otherwise, there'd be judgment around like right. the revolving door. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we, right. haven't, uh, we haven't really, we haven't really Facebook friends with uh, with the parents, um, and uh, you know, we have a different email address, and so we're just we're keeping it compartmentalized. Um, but at the same time, the school that Phoenix is in is a is a very uh, is a, is a very progressive school. Uh, it's very diverse mm-hmm. uh, in terms of you know, it's very diverse racially. It's same for the staff and the students. It's very diverse. It's very diverse and progressive around uh, gender um, uh, gender concepts and and uh, and very socially progressive as well. So uh, mm-hmm. it feels it feels right where we where we are, and also feels right that we're not just uh, projecting to to everyone around us uh, in in terms of its school and. And our social, uh, our own social circles, no. But in terms of the school, not so much. Yeah, that makes sense. And we are very blessed where we live that we are a lot safer to practice this lifestyle here than a lot of other parts of the world in the country. Um, well, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, let me ask you a little bit more about your open relationship with one another. Um, I'd like to hear from each of you how it feels when your partner is engaging with their lover, or maybe you can talk about how it was in the beginning and what you did to evolve to where you are now. Um, you know, did you have jealousy? Did you have other feelings come up? Um, just tell me a little bit about that journey. Well, I know for me, um, it, it was, it was very challenging. It was, again, I felt like, Oh yeah, this is totally the right knowing that Philippe was out on dates and there was a big unknown factor was scary. I was afraid. I thought that I was having a a difficult time being definitely the poster child for open relationship. I was certainly not that. I was like, you're going to find someone else who can do this. I I don't feel like I'm doing it so well. Um, And then just very slow growth, really, really slow growth. And I remember a few years in, we were seeing one coach, and he looked at me, and he's like, you know, how long have you guys been together? And I think it was three or four years. And he's like, and Philippe hasn't left you yet? And I was like, uh, no. 
And he's like, you know, that kind of counts for something, right? So, anyway, things okay. very slowly you cut up. You cut up for a second, but you're back now. progressed to me feeling um, more stable. And then um, I then we had Phoenix, and that made a really big difference. That really stabilized, definitely stabilized me, and it created more space for Philippe to go out. And um, I think what we found, too, is that, you know, Philippe was able to go out more, but at the same time, he missed me more. So, <clears throat> so yeah, that was a very big shift. And then I think also in the past few years, Philippe discovered this first um, attachment theory. And so that's been really huge for understanding, um, you know, me, that me kind of erring more on the side of being anxious, although more secure now and him being more on the side of being avoidant, although, again, you know, kind of avoidant secure. And I know Philippe can talk about that afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And then also when we, you know, before Phoenix, we often dated people together. And then after Phoenix, I felt like my sexuality really composted. And I thought, you know, something different is going to emerge from this. And so when he was about a year and a half old, that's when I went out on first date and um, and ended up dating somebody on my own for a couple of months. And then um, that kind of faded, and I wound up okay Cupid after that. And I've had really great success with okay Cupid. Um, a lot of first dates that have no chemistry, but, um, you know, it's kind of settled into something now where I've got a few people that I see regularly, and that works really well. And um, mm-hmm. generally, I feel very good about going out with different people. That <clears throat> um, you know, especially he did date somebody for a few years, so that was, she seemed like she was open to being poly, and then it turned out that, um, that actually it wasn't quite her thing. So that was um, that was a bit challenging. Although she's, I mean, I still liked her. <laughs> Just that she didn't really want to share police. So, so that's mm-hmm. kind of a snapshot in terms of the perspective. Yeah, thank you. Let me ask you a question about something you said. You talked about... Um, that you didn't think that you were doing it so well. So what did that look mm-hmm. like? Why were you judging yourself that you weren't doing open relationship very well? What What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, well, I have this idea that it should be easy and it should be, you know, I should be joyful that I was seeing people or turned on or, but not as contracted and scared as I was. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons we created the open relationship community because my perception, I was very, so I was judging myself very intensely. And sleep actually was accepting me and all of my triggers and shutdown and all of that a lot more than I was. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, when we did the open relationship community, I finally actually met people who were like, oh, I've been there. I know what that's like. And that was really refreshing, and that actually helped me to relax into whatever it was that I was feeling and go on a journey, I would say, a very radical self-acceptance, which is not being passive. It wasn't like, oh, well, this is how I am. It was more like, oh, let me just be with all this stuff that's arising. And the more I can just be with it, the more it tends to 
loosen its hold on me. Right. And so it was not an easy it was not an easy path, but I felt like there was something really profound in it for me. And if I could do the work to get to the other side of that, it would be really a very powerful experience. And um, and mm-hmm. I have no regrets because I because I think that for me jealousy is an umbrella term that you know and all there's all these other emotions underneath it. And my emotions had to do with, like, fear of loss and also fearing that I just didn't matter. And so, you know, mm-hmm. um, those are things that I, I mean, those are kind of lifelong things that I'm working with. But I think they have, in large part, loosened their hold on me over time. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think it's really important, and this is what I teach my clients as well, that we have to accept ourselves 100% and we'll never grow and change if we're judging ourselves and hating ourselves and expecting that we're more evolved than we really are. <laughs> um, so I love that you said that. And I also love that you you pointed out how important it is to have community um, so that normalizes that those growing pains that you went through. Yeah. Um, so before we continue, I just want to uh, mention if anyone's just joining us, um, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at SumatiSparks.com. And we're speaking with Philippe Lewis and Paget Norton. They're poly parents. They're community builders. They created the Open Relationship Community that's 6,000 members at this point, a Facebook group. I'm really glad to have you guys here. Um, do you want to share with us, Philippe, what your experience was like when Paget first started to have other lovers, and how did that feel to you? Um, I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, I mean, I think uh, I think for many years I felt like I was the only one kind of moving in that direction, and I felt like um, like it was hard. It was really hard. I mean, uh, for a first couple of because the first couple of experience that we had early on in the first few months of our relationship were disastrous, and so so we had to close things down, and then uh, and then start to reopen them with uh, with you know like following the. The, the the base system, the baseball base system. Oh, and what about first base? How, how do you feel about going to second for, for me to go to second base this uh, you know on this date? And she'd say yes, or what do you mean, or what is it like that going to look like? And um, and so as we learned to have boundary conversations, and uh, and of course the, the boundary cards helped us uh, a great deal. And also we have to learn about we have to learn about like what what are what are sensitivities? What are things that we're most sensitive? What are fears? And what I found in the process of Paget being uh, being anxious about what might happen if I found the right the best the best person is, I had some guilt showing up, and some guilt about my attraction, some guilt about my oh, guilt and shame about uh, uh, wanting to be with other women for multi, for very different reasons. In some cases, the reasons were. There's a different side of me that would arise meeting this this other woman, and that different side of me was kind of like an opportunity to discover uh, to discover more of me, but that which mm-hmm. ultimately I would bring back to the relationship. But it was also at the same time really scary for Paget, um, mm-hmm. because it meant that somebody else could be that person that that, that I would want to discover myself. With. And so um, so. In that process of discovery uh, of ourselves, we also discovered each other, and and uh, kind of settled on a kind of a pace of of growth around over the relationship that that worked to some degree to both of us. And then I hit forty, 
Uh, that was just before, was it just before Phoenix or just after? Just after Phoenix uh, was born. And, uh, you know, so much, so much attention was put, put on Phoenix that I felt like, like I both felt like I was getting less attention from Padgett, which was really hard for me. I started having my first dose of jealousy uh, with my son. And, uh-huh. um, but then at the same time, it created an opening for me to go out and go and explore and go look for what I go look for love. And then what I realized over the years um, in, in the process of, of our relationship opening up more uh, was that I was looking for pageant. A great deal of what I was looking for was for pageant that I felt like I'd mm-hmm. lost in the process of parenting. Um, and then the other part is, is, is that's also in that process of opening up. I remember going to pageant and saying, okay, we've sort of been dabbling and kind of exploring and trying things out. And I really want this to be open as a practice. I really want us to practice open, like fully open, not just first base, second base, maybe third base, but like the fully open, the fully open. And I, and I remember this was a, like a very difficult conversation. And, um, but then again, so is parenting. And so, uh, and, and we're, here we are today. And uh, my, my experience of pageant dating other people generally is a good one. I think she's a really good judge of character. Uh, she picks really amazing people. Um, it's not necessarily somebody I would be buddy buddy with, like we're going to be a one big poly family. But I mean, I can see what she likes about them, and I really enjoy that. In fact, I'm generally not jealous of her lovers. I'm only jealous of my son. And so, <laughs> so in terms of uh, you know poly family, um, speaking about poly family, uh, you know jealousy can happen, and it happens to fathers all the time, and it could mm-hmm. it could happen to mothers too depending on the relationship that the parents have to their child. Yeah, Philippe right. um, he doesn't get jealous of the people I'm with, but he gets, every once in a while, he gets missed that I'm going out too much. Oh, yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a difference between time jealousy and people jealousy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. sure. And sure. Not only that, but I think there's, you know, people do poly for different reasons. People do poly because they want to make sure they never run out of love. Some people do poly because of the diversity and the variety. Some people do poly because there are things that they can't do with their with their partner that they really want to explore, like uh, BDSM or or, um, or or travel or there's there's just other interests that maybe your partner doesn't have that you can have that you can experience with a lover or with another partner. So I think there's mm-hmm. so so there's multiple reasons, and I think it's important to explore those. Otherwise, there's a good chance that the people who are cheating out there that's that's part of what they're looking for. Right. So, Philippe, I want to ask you before we go um, further into how you how you are today, I want to go back a little bit. You said in the beginning it was really disastrous, and I just want to hear in your words what that looked like because I. You guys come across as so effortless in your open relationship, so I think it's really helpful to hear that it was a struggle for you, <laughs> that it was a struggle for you in the beginning. And so, what did that look like in your relationship that you labeled it disastrous? Oh wow! I mean, it looks like me telling Paget I slept with somebody else, and and you had a condom failure, and I, and I had a condom failure on top of that, and I was in Canada. And uh, and it looks like uh, both of us. I wasn't upfront about it. I wasn't upfront. Oh, I was not upfront about it. Yeah. Not initially. 
Um, and it just looked like both of us going down into the pits of hell emotionally about it. I mean, she felt really bad. She felt really awful. I felt really guilty. And it, it just, just well, it's just not pretty. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we clearly knew that we were not out there to hurt the other person. Um, mm-hmm. We clearly knew that we loved each other. But at the same time, we just didn't know how to how to do Polly in a way that would not hurt the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing, too, is that Philippe had been single. He had come out of a six, six-year relationship. Yes. And um, he had been single for two years and just very flirtatious, really wanted to play the field. And so then I came into his life, and we would be hanging out with these women that he had perhaps connected with, perhaps supporting with, and they um, they would totally ignore me. We'd be, I'd be standing right next to him, and they mm-hmm. would completely ignore me. And I remember coming away from those. It happened more than once. I remember coming away from that like, that felt really, really shitty, you know? Like, I was right there, and, and it's like, here's a woman totally trying to get all over you, and, and you didn't say anything. And so... Um, mm-hmm. And so we, you know, because he was so used to a particular way of being. And so um, over time, you know, we learned that, that, yes, like he was with me and that that person need to, needed to acknowledge me and, you know, and, um, yeah. So. Now, I, I, I remember one of our friends, her name, uh, name is Skippy, she said something like uh, Paget, at least at that point, Paget had become the, the skank deflector. <laughs> so she... So she definitely, things had evolved in our relationship so that she could not be ignored. In fact, she was repulsing the women who would otherwise ignore her. And now, and nowadays, it, it, she's actually uh, a pretty formidable partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so much so that a lot, of, a lot of lovers that I've had or I've tried to have say that she's very intimidating. And, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to be around her because she's just that much of a badass. Oh, I'm like, that's so friendly. Come over to the party. <laughs> so, I'm like, yeah. no, I'm super, well, super nice. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and good for you for developing that personal power. But I just want to say for, for anyone that's listening, uh, if you are practicing polyamory or you're interested in dating somebody who's in a couple, it's a really good idea to just say hello to their partner, make eye contact with them, acknowledge them. Um, it's <laughs> It's just really a challenge when you don't do that. So I just want to put that public service announcement out there. (laughs) Um, I I want to add something to that. Um, One one of the things that we discovered over time is is, uh, this this concept that um, I've posted on the open relationship community and not everybody agreed with because uh, it, it does kind of set up a little bit of a hierarchy. And these days around poly, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, like, polyanarchy that's happening and people don't like hierarchy. But I have to say, my partner, I've, been, I've spent and I've invested a lot in, uh, in, in us being together. And that matters. That matters to me. And it matters to me that the new lover is present and, and, is, and is trying to find a, a way to fit in. And so, uh, so the, the concept that we've evolved was that it's kind of like a visitor in a house. And so basically the host's job is to make the, the host's job is to make the visitor feel the most welcome. And a visitor's mm-hmm. job is to actually be a really gracious visitor. 
and not wreck the house. And so it's kind of like that. So when a new when a new partner comes in, we you know I encourage them to be really really gracious uh, in in how they are as a visitor, and I encourage my partner to be like a really great hostess, and and hopefully they 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 meet somewhere in the middle in a way that that's mm-hmm. not doesn't feel like gadget's most important or the new lover's got the, the new bright new shiny. Uh, is that they both have something really amazing that I want to have in them. Yeah, I, I actually find it amazing when people say that they're poly and have kids, but there's no hierarchy. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, how old are your kids? Mm-hmm. Like, really? Your kid doesn't is, like, not at the top of the heap there? Um, <laughs> I mean, all of that said, but I totally agree with Philippe. You know, we've invested a lot in our relationship, and, and we just like each other, you know? Like, we enjoy each other. So, um, so, but anyway, we have this, yeah. you know, long-standing relationship. Go ahead. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be because of a hierarchical nesting partner relationship or primary or whatever. It, it can just be, I remember a woman in my support group saying that people always check in with her when they want to date her husband, but they never check in with her when they want to date her boyfriend. So I, I took that to heart, and I remember I was dating someone's boyfriend when she had a husband and so I actually went to her and said hey I'm you know I've been connecting with your boyfriend lately you know because this other woman taught me that um, that just because someone is secondaries or they're not married um, they may also want to be acknowledged for that relationship it doesn't have to be a hierarchy it's just an acknowledgement that there's a some kind of a partnership there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, I, I completely let's go. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I was just going to say that, you know, I know that in, in chatting with, with one of my current lovers, we were just kind of talking about, like, labels. And what he said, well, first of all, he said he loved the word lover, um, although I find it a little limited, but he really likes that word. And then he said, you know, I don't consider myself to be a secondary partner. I consider myself to be an additional partner. And that, felt, mm. that actually felt very appropriate. You know, that, yeah, and it was like, yeah, I can totally get that because he and I connect in a very different way from the way Philippe and I connect. Exactly. So let's go back to Philippe, and I want to give you time to talk about the study that you've been doing on attachment styles. Can you explain for listeners that don't know about that what it means and how it's helped you in your relationship with Paget? Well, okay, so just want to preface that I just did another podcast that was a whole hour and a half just on attachment theory. So I, I, it's going to uh, have to be a, a, a very, very summarized version. Attachment okay. theory essentially was discovered, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and and what, they, what they found out is that in the first 12 months of, of the baby's life, there was sort of a, a, a strategy for getting – uh, attention and their needs met that would arise in the first 12 months. Uh, and so and, and, and so there's been an evolution of that theory towards, uh, you know, how people behave and their insecurities in adulthood. Uh, and there's basically three main types of, of attachment style. There's secure and there's two types of insecure. Uh, one of them is called anxious and one of, uh, one of them is called um, avoidant. And so the secure person generally full of goodness, full of, like, making it work and, and just generally, like, very chill and very much able to, to engage at, uh, with a lot of range of, uh, of emotions and a lot of uh, sensitivity and a lot of uh, – uh, and very available to make things work. 
and very flexible also. Uh, and then there's the anxious person who essentially works uh, uh, with the, the primary fear of being abandoned. And, um, and, and so, so the result is in terms of behavior, they call for more attention, they're, they're, they, they, uh, they freak out more easily, they become, they, from, from, from the avoidance standpoint, which I'll talk about in a second, they, they become quote-unquote needy. Um, and, then they, uh, and then overall, they're constantly afraid of losing the things the thing that they love. Uh, the avoidant is a so and that's a strategy for the anxious is basically just to make sure they never run out of love, they never run out of like the support and the love that they need in order to feel like they're okay. Um, the avoidant, on the other hand, has a uh, is is very self um, self contained, very independent, has very few needs, uh, even though they do, but they just don't know what they are, and um, and the and and very much afraid of being engulfed or being oppressed by the other person's needs for love. Um, mm-hmm. And the result is, is that, that, is that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they just have a harder time connecting with others. They have a harder time connecting with needs and they have a, they have a harder time connecting deeply with love. Now, there are these mm-hmm. three different kinds of people evolving in the world and they engage with loved ones and with lovers and partners in a very different way. Uh, an anxious person will 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 often put all their needs on one person because they uh, because they're they're trying to recreate they're trying to create a, a safe environment for themselves. In a poly environment, you could have a, somebody who's anxious having multiple lovers because this way they will never be alone. There's there's mm-hmm. this sort of like let's let's make sure that that there's enough lovers to overlap uh, all my needs for love. And, and make sure all my needs are met. Now, for mm-hmm. an avoidant person, it might just be I have a hard I have a hard time getting really deep with one person, but I still want to I still don't want to be alone. But I don't want anybody mm-hmm. to ask me for too much, so I will have a lot of very shallow relationships that fit my lifestyle, that fit my needs, uh, whatever I have them, or whatever I want to acknowledge them. And for mm-hmm. a secure person, a poly uh, um, a, a poly setup would look more like a poly family. Like having a few people that are really loved that create a, a good network of needs, but also a good network of independence. It's kind of a, a mixture of the two in a really healthy way. Great. Well, that was a great description. Um, I want to ask you how knowing this information has helped your relationship, but because we're a little short on time, I'm going to combine it with my next question about what are some of the greatest life lessons you've learned from being non-monogamous? Well, uh, one of the things that we, we have learned over uh, recently as I've discovered attachment theory is that Paget is mostly secure but tends towards, uh, can tend towards anxious. Uh, she's actually more secure than I am, uh, and we found out because most of the time we'd have an argument, she'd be the one coming back with a solution while I would mm-hmm. still be having a hard time. Um, mm-hmm. on, a, on the flip side, I, am, I have a lot of secure, but I also tend towards avoidance. Uh, which means that in my own space, I'm okay having multiple lovers that I'm not really deeply connected with, uh, although that's been changing, uh, slowly changing. And I feel like as I've become more secure, uh, which is part of the life lessons, is, is being in a solid relationship kind of leads towards deeper security, kind of a deeper appreciation of life and family and deeper connections. And, and I feel like I've learned a lot from Padgett. Like, there's a lot of opportunities for me to say, 
what would Paget do in this case? Or, or what would Paget say if I told her I'm having this issue? Like, it really is <laughs> showing up. And I'm sure she does that for things that are broken or that are, that are uh, you know, challenging technically. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so what, what one thing to learn about attachment theory is that uh, anxious and avoidant often attract each other because there's a solid emotional and sexual tension that arises from the their two, diff- their two different styles that both have insecurity underneath. Um, mm-hmm. But that's also, that's also very volatile. Uh, it can cause a lot of difficulties because they also, the, the insecurities also kind of lock into each other in a way that can be hurtful. So we've had to learn a mm-hmm. lot around that and discover um, what commitment really means and how we can support each other in having what we really want. Um, I think. Go ahead, Paget. I was just going to ask you to share your greatest life lessons from being non monogamous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think um, probably one is this sort of radical self acceptance that has been really, really huge. Um, Accepting where I'm at with also an eye towards kind of learning something and moving forward. Um, Mm -hmm. The second thing is, I think it feels a lot more basic, but early on, Philippe and I would get into some disagreement, and it would spiral down, and we realized we were both fighting for space to talk and be heard, and I think it's just trusting that when there's conflict, that that I'll get to be heard, and I don't Mm -hmm. always have to be uh, talk first, and so Mm -hmm. that trust that I can listen to for me to actually talk and for him to listen to me. So I think those listening skills are, are really, really key. You know? Excellent. Thank and you. Then I think the um, last thing, like we said, attachment theory, I think that's been really huge to notice those places where I'm like, ah, I'm feeling scared. I want some more. Like, Or I texted my lover and he hasn't gotten back to me and it's been six hours. Like, what's going on? You know? And, mm-hmm. um, and then also, you know, learning about Philippe and why space is so important to him. And um, and I wrote an article about that for the Good Men Project and about um, called Loving the Man Who Needs Space. And a number mm. of people have talked to me about that, that suddenly they're understanding why their partner needs space in order to actually feel their own emotions and, and whatnot. So that's also been Excellent. Yeah, and on the poly realm, I think uh, it's it's discovering that Paz and I have different needs. We have different. There's different reasons why we connect with 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 lovers. Like I, mm-hmm. uh, um, I will connect with partners that are that are that 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 are often similar to who to how she is, uh, and she'll connect with partners that are similar to how I am in terms of attachment. Um, mm-hmm. But different. They're different people, and so she mm-hmm. she might say, "Well, I don't understand why you want to be with this person," or or. But she is starting to understand. And, but it's been a journey to actually understand each other's needs and how we want them fulfilled and, uh, and how we go about it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so that kind of answered my last question, but we just have about a minute each for each of you. Um, what are some of the things that you're still working on after all these years? Um, I think, you know, the things we're working on, I don't think actually relate to being poly at all. 
Um, <laughs> I think we're just trying to find ourselves as a, a couple after having had a child and um, having a child is still pretty young. So, you know, who is this us? Um, and mm-hmm. how do we have that? You know, when somebody that's easier, I'm like, oh, I'm baby, I'm, you know, I'm on mama duty, so Philippe was out. Or he's on data duty. This challenge, which is probably the you know, parent challenge more than a poly challenge. Right. Yeah, and cool. for me, and how about you, uh, some, some of it is also um, how, you know, if we have a hard time finding what us is, then uh, then then how do I, how does a partner uh, or a lover fit into that? That's also mm-hmm. kind of a, something that's a discovery. In the past, I would want a partner just to have a playmate, but I'm finding that's changing. And, and so, so there's a discovery and an exploration around, like, what does it mean to have a, 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 an additional partner? The same way that Paget does. But I'm not sure I would want to do it the same way she the same way she does. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to cut you off there so I can give you enough time to tell people how they can reach you. Also, give us a, a brief uh, explanation of how people can join the open relationship community as well. And I believe you also have an offer for our listeners. So take it away. <laughs> okay. Um, if uh, if people are interested in having uh, in uh, in um, discovering more about their relationship around polyamory or just uh, or to just have challenges in their relationship, uh, they can uh, go to my website and schedule a session. Uh, and then it's, pos- it's also possible to schedule a session with the two of us. So uh, the, what people will do is schedule a free session, um, and they'll, they'll go to exquisite.love, www.exquisite.love. They'll click on the button, schedule a free intro. And if they're interested, um, during the intro, they can mention that they'd like to uh, do a session with Paget and I together uh, because we often do that. Uh, it, it's something about having the two of us be, uh, be in the presence of the two of them um, to, that, that actually really supports a greater field of perception and, and engagement. And so uh, people Excellent. really like that. Uh, or, or they can just, uh, they can, just get the coaching from me. Uh, and then we just go on an exploration and figure out what is it that they need and what are the challenges and how to overcome them and get into practice. Uh, right. the, uh, the, I think that's it. Uh, oh, yeah, for the open relationship community, uh, we'll send you a link so you'll be able to go, uh, you'll be able to post it on, the, uh, on, your, on your website, uh, which will be the link to the Facebook group. And then, uh, and, and then, that people can get in touch with me and I'll approve because I think there's like thousands of people who are trying to join and can't just grow the group by thousands at a time. Uh, and then the last okay. piece is um, the last piece is the the, the the offer was what I mentioned. It's basically the uh, uh, it's free it's a free intro and people can get into a conversation with me and, and me and Badget and then we can figure out if it's a good match. Um, and then uh, and we go take it from there. Okay, we only have one minute left, so I just want to thank you both so much for your time, for being on the show. It went by so fast. You really do have so much wisdom, and I really appreciate how generous you are with our community. So thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. It's great to have you. It's great to do this with you. Yeah, thanks so much. Enjoyed chatting with you. Okay, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>